0: This is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum book team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with Mindy Bells about her book, They Say We Are Infidels, on the run from ISIS with persecuted Christians in the Middle East. Mindy is the editor of World Magazine and has been writing for World since 1986. Mindy's reporting work has taken her all over the world, and she has covered war in the Balkans, Sudan, Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. They Say We Are Infidels is Mindy's first book. Mindy, thanks so much for giving us time today today to discuss this very important book.
1: Thanks, Sharon.
0: You know, there are several things about your book that make it a standout read. And just as I was reading the subtitle, On the Run from ISIS with Persecuted Christians in the Middle East, and mm-hmm. you literally were running from ISIS with persecuted Christians in the Middle East and uh, that's just one of the things and I'm only going to cover a few of the things that I think are significant in your book because I want people to get the whole story and read your Mm -hmm. book. Uh, Before I get into the book, I just have to ask and this is my curiosity, have you always been a risk taker?
1: No, probably not. For some reason, the high diving board comes to mind. And that was a really scary place for me. But my dad insisted that I try it. And and my dad was great at pushing me to try new things. And so um, I I certainly stepped out into these strange parts of the world with... Um, a little bit of fear, a lot of um, hesitancy, but you know, I, I think taking that first step is what's most important. And um, God seems to come along beside us and help us from there on. So um, that's that's kind of how it, it's gone. And I, I don't I don't worry so much. These hard places feel sometimes like friendly places too, surprisingly. Hmm.
0: Wow, I just was so humbled when I was reading everything that you did, and uh, just astounded at your your courage. Um, but what a testament that you haven't always been such a big risk taker. But um, the Lord really does come and 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 gives us His spirit so that we can stand strong. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, one of the other benefits in your book that I th- thought was so helpful to me was that it really gives a history of Christianity in Iraq and the Middle East. Very helpful, I thought, for those of us here who read little bits and pieces in uh, the newspapers and in World Magazine. And I just wondered, before you started your work at World and it took you to the Middle East, what did you know about that history of Christianity? Not...
1: Yeah, not very much. And even as I began to work as a reporter and was getting assignments and was branching out into doing international work, I kept hoping no one would mention the Middle East. It was the one part of the world I really uh, didn't want to go to, didn't want to cover. I think like most Americans, I thought of it as a place of endless conflict and um, difficult languages. And um, people who were hard to understand but you know 911 really changed that and um, it, it it wasn't really an option even though I had by that time been covering things in the Middle East it wasn't an option um, of, of whether or not to focus on the Middle East our attention was riveted there after 911 and um, I think one of the things that you know for me, um, has been so fascinating, uh, uh, and and was definitely an impetus behind this book. Like most Americans, when I th- I think of early Christianity, I think of the Holy Land, I think of Israel, and the areas right around Israel. And I forget how Scripture moved out to the east, not simply to the west, or not only to the west, around the Mediterranean, with the writings of Paul and Peter that were much more familiar with. But it moved east, and the history there is really fascinating. And in many ways, because it was cut off from the Western Church, that Eastern Church um, grew kind of in a in its own little bubble and preserved, you know, today you can still hear Christians in Iraq worshiping in Aramaic, the language of Jesus, which has been handed down for all these hundreds of years. So it, it is a fascinating and, and um a fascinating history and was all a discovery for me. Hmm.
0: You know, why do you think it's important for us in the West to really understand that history?
1: I think so that we have an appreciation, a deeper appreciation, perhaps, for the Christians who are continuing to live in this area. I mean, if you only look at a rock, you have to be startled by the numbers. There, There is a decline of Christian, the Christian population around the region. In Iraq, what that means is that a population that numbered about one and a half million at the start of the Iraq war in 2003, now numbers about 225,000. That's an 80% decline. And I think for all of us, that was sort of the overarching, motivating number driving this book, making this book important. Um, but I, I think understanding the history, you know, when, when I sat down with one of the, the Christians in a courtyard of a church in Baghdad, and I said, so tell me your story. And the first words out of his mouth were, I have 32 archbishops in my family tree. And that's just really a history I, I can't touch, one that I, I can't really relate to. And um and so they have this, this uh both wide and deep connection to their Christian roots and, and in many cases also a wide and deep faith. And it's remarkable if you think about all that they've been through that um the faith has endured till today. Yeah. And uh, as you said,
0: you, you've you been traveling to the Middle East for the past 20 years. And um, one of the things that adds so much credibility to your book is that fact, is that you've gone back so many times, and oftentimes you have been with the same people, traveling with the same people, right. and uh, traveling to the same region. And... <laughs> Um, did you make a point of doing that, or how, how did that all unfold
1: no it, it was not a plan i i um the the u s invaded Iraq in March of two thousand three and it, a few months after that, I flew into Baghdad with a woman named Insaf Safu. She was an Iraqi Christian, and we had been put together by some mutual friends. We didn't know each other very well. But by going with her, this whole door into this, um, this uh, Iraq, the Iraqi Christian community opened to me. I began to meet other people who are, whose stories are told in the book. Mudafer, who also was returning for the first time since um, the fall of the Saddam Hussein regime, Other people that I came in contact with in churches and pastors. At that time, there was a lot of hope and expectation. People in Iraq thought that they would have a kind of freedom and a kind of opportunity that they saw we had in the West. And we all know that the long story is that that didn't materialize. But a lot of people came back willing to sort of stake their lives on that hope. And it became very important to me and even for us as a magazine to follow that story to see how they were doing if they would stay or if they would leave and you know over the years as things got harder and harder and then we you know found uh things got really hard when Isis moved into the country in 2014 a number of people did leave a number of people gave up and went went to the west or went to europe um or elsewhere But the people who have stayed have an amazing resilience. And I think not only should we, I think we shouldn't pity them. I think um, we should support them. And I think that we have a lot to learn from them and from their steadfastness. Hmm.
0: Yeah. um, You know, they say that uh, we are going to be marked for more and more terrorism. But when I think of what they have endured with um, just the hardships of everyday life, of finding enough, enough food and shelter and electricity, and you describe some of the living conditions that these people are in, and they're beyond anything that we can imagine um, here in the West. And they are really the heroes, the heroes of the faith, um, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for, for writing about them and continuing to have a relationship with them. Now, you've got a huge job. You're the editor of World Magazine. What compelled you to make the time to actually write this book? Because I think writing a book is a lot different than uh, doing the articles.
1: It definitely is. And I think that um, it's probably a good thing that I went into it not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, But it, it it was a story that wouldn't go away. The story that kept pestering me. Um, I look back through my notebooks as I was working on the book, and I can see that I was making notes to myself about a book, you know, almost ten years ago. Um, and and so I, I I even at that time could see that these were stories that were these were not just news stories. Things that were highlighted because we were at war in this particular country these were people and places that had a lot to teach us, and that were showing me a lot of the underlying sort of themes of life, if you will. And, um, you know, I did keep coming back to this whole theme of of actually learning from the persecuted church, and it strikes me that in the New Testament, even if you just look at the writings of Paul, that he talks a lot about um, God gathering a people for himself through the suffering of his saints. And I think that there is a real rallying point um, around this suffering. And then, of course, the events of 2014 just made it almost imperative for me to to pull together these stories uh, because suddenly people whose lives I had been following for several years, they were on the run again. Um, Many of them had, you know, throughout the war had had to move one or two times, but now they were having to move overnight, and they had nowhere to go. And then some of them were having to pick up and move again because ISIS kept uh, coming north. ISIS was on the march, and, um, and, and, and then there they were living in uh, a tent in a refugee camp or living in, you know, unfinished buildings, finding an apartment. Uh, inside a church, or or even having to sleep on on a church pew for a time, some of them did that, and um, we we tend to too quickly move on from those stories of hardship, and this is one that's going on. You know, one of the hardest things was trying to figure out how to end this book, because the story is continuing, even today, and um, and and so all of those things were things that just um made it. Sort of like the thing I couldn't not do. Yeah, and that by the 2014
0: um, event, you mean when ISIS really proclaimed itself and just started to terrorize that that region with uh, with um, the murders and the pers- all of that. That's what right. you're referring well, to,
1: right? Well, right. ISIS had um, taken root in Syria um and was you know calling recruits into this movement drawing people from many other parts of the world we knew those things were happening and yet we we somehow we weren't doing very much about it um and we weren't calling the world's attention to it and then suddenly um an army of isis moved down into iraq took over the city of mosul a city of 2 million um, almost overnight, and then began to move north and and clear out the villages of Nineveh Plain. Nineveh is just an ancient area that we're all familiar with. I mean, it's very prominent in Jewish history. There were more Jews living there at the time of Jesus's birth than were living actually in what we think of as Israel. Um, and And then it, you know, became a place that was Uh, I'll say, receptive to the gospel. And when Christianity came in to Iraq, you know, these became Christian areas. And um, these are ancient villages. It's not unusual to go in to one of them and see a church that was built in three or four hundred. And those villages have now been completely emptied. I've walked through some of them. Some of them have been overtaken again by um, Kurdish forces that we would consider our allies. And, um, and there's just nothing like it to walk through what was once a city of 12 or 15 or 20,000, and it's absolutely completely empty, and life has stopped there. And that situation has continued virtually unchanged uh, from, from the summer of 2014 until now, almost two years later.
0: That's just overwhelming. Um Well, I did want to ask you, um, how has this book changed
1: you? It's a great question. Um I think that I started this book with a reporter's distance. Um I, I really and, and part of that was that I really wanted the stories of the people in Iraq and Syria, the believers. I wanted those to be prominent and to to shine, if you will. Um, over the course of working on the book, it became clear that that you know I was I was part of the story too, and that I, I realized that what I needed to bring to it was a little more of my discovery and my learning about these people, because um, that, for one thing will help others. You know, I I started out at the same place as most Americans would start out. I'm not a Middle East expert. I'm not someone who's fluent in Arabic. I'm I'm basically a mom with four children who happened to be a reporter that got assigned to go to this part of the world. Um, But it did become a personal story. And I think that's important because I think that we care most about those things that that matter to us that where we've established a relationship and and you know in a way isn't that the story of jesus's um incarnation it is the story of drawing near and so i learned a lot by drawing near just being willing to do that and and certainly working through the book and going back and forth with people in iraq brought a new level of nearness
0: hmm. yeah and a great sacrifice because in order to uh, draw near to those people, you have to let your guard down and care. So I, I just have so much respect for um, the way you wrote the book, and all that you did to put what you did into the book. Um, I know that our readers are wondering where they can get the book, and if they, first of all, you have a website, uh, www.theysayweareinfidels.com. And the book should be is available now online for ordering, and it will be in stores, brick and mortar stores everywhere, uh, now or at the latest by April nineteenth, so people can go out and get this wonderful book that will prayerfully motivate action on behalf of our Christian brothers and sisters. So, thank you, Mindy, for your time, and uh, God bless you and your work ahead. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.